I've, I've done that before, so nice. my experience will help me out. I figure that's like lawyer 101 stuff. Is like you have like a deathmatch uh, class, you know? Mind Gap Podcast. Guys, welcome to Mind Gap. I'm Doug. I'm Justin. And we are joined by one of the most prestigious human beings to ever grace this planet Earth. He's a good friend, from originally from Kirksville, Missouri. He also uh, lives in Texas and Cleveland simultaneously because he is also a teleportation expert. Uh, please welcome my good friend, Matt Hanley! Thank you. Good morning. What? Good morning. Good morning. Welcome, Mr. Hanley. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you, Doug. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. I know you're a busy man. You're an important man. You are a national treasure, correct? I don't know about that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, take, I'll take your word. I feel like Nicolas Cage has deemed you a national treasure. Yeah, I believe that story, that whole movie was based on your life, yes? It could have been. I'd have to rewatch it <laughs> and, and, and get back to that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Are sorry you, if you have to rewatch that. Yeah, right. Don't that, don't don't do that for <laughs> All the joke. Three of them. Don't do that for the sake of the joke. There's three. There's three. I thought. Oh, I thought there was two. No, it's it's a. It's like a. It's like the true Dark Knight trilogy, but with National Treasure. I I almost need to watch it now just to say I've seen all three of them. You know, my guilty pleasure is Battlefield Earth. I I knew a girl in uh, some of my comedy classes who National Treasure was like her guilty pleasure. Ugh. I'm like, oof, that's gross. Yeah. Anytime you have Nicolas Cage, I mean, Nicolas Cage is inherently a guilty pleasure. But, well, yeah. you know, Face Off is also a guilty pleasure movie of mine. But, yeah. you know, it's just like at some point you're like, this guy is just batshit. <laughs> I saw a movie poster for him the other day, and I'm like, I can't even trust that what this movie's going to be. Right. Because he just needs money right now. Because, you know, taxes. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, taxes. What a weird thing to be like, I have to continue doing what I'm doing because I have to pay these taxes that I owe. Right. So it doesn't matter what work you throw my way, I have to do it. You don't even know if he wants to be an actor anymore. He no. might just have to do this. Yeah. Can you imagine that, like, your average person that's just like, I hate what I do, and I hate doing it, but I will do anything and everything because I have to pay taxes. No, it sounds like you're describing me. <laughs> you, you don't have a tax No, but you. I just need money. Yeah. But it'd be like, Justin, you have to take pick up all these extra jobs. doesn't matter whether you like them or whether or not you're good at them. You have to do them because you have to pay your taxes. I like that, you've, uh, that you're assuming Nicolas Cage just is not good at his job, too. Well, I mean, I mean, just saying. Is it a, is it, what do you think, Matt? Is it a choice that he makes well, to be bad, or do you think he just truly really is a bad actor? I think, yeah, you, you probably don't have your time, the luxury to wait for your preferred option. <laughs> he does that. He does have that Academy Award, right? He does. So every movie he does will say Academy Award nominee or Academy Award winner. I think then- they've dropped that off the marketing campaigns these days. <laughs> <laughs> the Academy begged them, don't put that on there like, Look, you won this a long time ago. Don't uh, – and no, let's face it, not most of the movies – most of the movies he's not doing are not like Academy Award winning, you know. <laughs> Those are usually for Oscar bait, you know. Right. You know, Academy Award nominee or Academy Award <laughs> Nicolas Cage in Vampire's Kiss. Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> Vampire's Kiss. That uh, I've only seen gifts of that of of that movie. And it looks insane. It's amazing. <laughs> Have you seen it? No. Okay, but yeah, those gifts are pretty amazing. So, so Matt, uh, you and I go way back to third grade. 
That is true. Yeah, see? That is true. It's official. It's true. All and right. I went to third grade. He didn't believe me. No, I said, you're a fucking liar, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a great spot on. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, we've so we've known each other for God. I don't even want to do the math on that. It's been a while. Ninety one. Nine yeah. ninety one. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Good lord, that was a long time ago. So yeah, we've uh, we've known each other in some capacity uh, for for many many years now. Do you guys remember how you met in third grade? Do you, like did you like was he were you sharing a transformer toy or like what? what Dude, was we were the... in third grade. We were not playing with transformers. I was. Right? <laughs> How much you asked, yeah, but I was. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't remember how we met. I think you sat next to Mandy, and I sat on the other side of Mandy. Fourth grade, definitely, right? Yeah. That was. I think grade. that was third grade. I don't know if we were in the same fourth grade class. I miss as far for fourth grade. I miss Bowers for third grade. Yeah, I'm forgetting. Yeah. Regardless. <laughs> oh, so see, the story's starting to fall apart. I'm almost positive you. Your Honor, were... objection. Is that? Did I do it right? <laughs> no, who did you have for fifth grade? Fifth grade, I had Mrs. A... Colton. Yeah, yeah, okay. Right. Have you? I, I, you I, guys have I, met I'll... though, right? Wait, wait. Do we know each other? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Doug. Nice to meet you. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. We totally skyped with sorry. a different Matt Hanley. My Doug, bad. So Matt and I met in third grade. Oh, this is your guys' thing. <laughs> Got it. Okay, my bad. Jeez. Nice to meet you, Doug. <laughs> nice to meet you, Matt. I've never. Wow, this whole time I thought I knew this guy. <laughs> That'd be the dumbest thing ever. No, no, I know this guy. I'm pretty sure you don't. <laughs> Doug just got really confused. Oh, shit. <laughs> I knew a guy, Matt, once. <laughs> oh, yeah? Have you known a Matt? Yeah. I'm pretty sure this is him. Are you sure? It's got to be, right? <laughs> no no relation. No relation. Regardless, we knew each other when we were very young. And, uh, you know, a friendship blossomed, you know, uh, and, and, and stayed intact over the years. We did track together. Matt was uh, a glorious runner, a four by eight master of of, of the track, where we enjoyed uh, enjoyed uh, watching you, you know, kick butt and take names. It was it was it was good, good times for all. You might your say. brother was my mentor. Yep, and your father was my coach. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a whole family affair. I like that. Doug Doug's relationship when track with me was just pure joy. <laughs> nothing nothing uh, athletic about it probably. yes dave and uh matt uh, ran the same four by eight team oh State, did? okay so which was pretty cool and my dad would always when matt would be running by my dad would be like whispering encouragements my dad was very much whispering like, or yelling he, he was pretty calm oh yeah never yelling yeah really He'd always you be had like, to strain you yeah. had to strain to hear yeah interesting yeah. okay he'd be like kick yeah. go on kick it in now come on now <laughs> Because he was very far removed from, he wanted to be, he didn't want to be like, oh, there's that, uh, the college track coach who's coming to try and, uh, you know, coach all these high school kids because his sons now are, in, are involved with it. So he would just kind of see something and be like, all right, now you can do it. Do this, do that. You know, just encouraging, yeah, yeah. but not like, you know. So as you're running by, you're like, I'm sorry, Mr. Cochran, did you say something? <laughs> what? What's what? that? Speak up. He's like, yeah, I'll whisper it. And if you hear it, then you can use it. Then you can use it. <laughs> It was always very motivational because it was that fatherly tone that if you didn't do what he said, it would lead to like some disappointment. Or something. <laughs> That's the worst. He's like, I don't care if you lose, but I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'll run. <laughs> I'll do what I can. You're not even like my it. dad. Why am I sad about this? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Anyway, uh, so after that, Matt, uh, you went on to uh, to to study law. What kind of what kind of law do you study? I studied um, 
I guess all law. I, I guess I have this. <laughs> I, I am, am the law. law. Yes. <laughs> Judge Dredd was. I watched that movie. I'm like, I want to be that guy. <laughs> it's a better way of saying it. Yeah. <laughs> I got a certification in uh, in criminal law. Mm-hmm. So I did that, but that's just uh, law school is pretty general. Certifications just kind of gotcha. A little extra specialty or something like that. So. Now, do you have when you're in law school? Do you have to like claim? something that you're going to get certified like do you have to pick a certification or a specialty not not really um and it really doesn't it doesn't really mean anything it's just kind of like you're taking the classes that you want to and then if you take a few more and perform at a certain level then you can kind of get a certification so it's not it's not, i wouldn't even say it's the same as like a major um in in college it's not that that different from the regular path okay so um, yeah. So, just out of curiosity, what's law school like? I have no concept of what that's like at all. I don't know. It's it's kind of like that, especially the first year, probably kind of like that dream where you're waking up naked um, in class or something like that. <laughs> um, you're this. It's the Socratic method, I guess. That's the biggest. That's the biggest thing that probably makes law school distinct is just being kind of yelled at and embarrassed and overwhelmed and to the point where you don't either don't care anymore or you you perform better or something like that i, I don't know so is that just getting you prepped for like look if you're going to practice law this is the kind of stuff that you're going to run into or is it just kind of like the military where it's like this is what we do it we do this and you're going to have to get over it i think it's a little bit of both i think <laughs> i think some schools are going a little bit more away from the the traditional socratic method mm-hmm. But judges are still kind of, you know, yell at you and embarrass you. Yeah. I've, I've definitely gone off on a 30-second analogy just to have the judge roll his eyes at me and, <laughs> and tell me that he had no idea what I was saying and he didn't care. This was his courtroom and this is his holding. So it kind of teaches you to deal with that. Perhaps. <laughs> wow. Ouch. So it's just like the movies. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you went on to then uh, your current uh, specialty is immigration law. Um, what yes. what what uh, drove you to kind of go into that field? Uh, well, I just I just applied for jobs during the summer clerkship, and it was actually just I happened to get that job offer first and took it, and then just kind of stayed in it, and that's what I what I knew up until a certain point and then graduated, that was still what I knew and then just got a job in that after school and now I, I don't really know any other type of law. So mm-hmm. it just kind of keeps you down the, the same path, so to speak. Nice. So um, do you, I mean, obviously uh, you've been doing it for a while now. Um, what, what about, <laughs> and this is where we'll kind of start getting into the juicy stuff. What do you think about the state of things and immigration <laughs> in the world? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's always fun because I guess I've been doing it for about eight years. Um, and it kind of ebbs and flows, and then people won't be talking about immigration a lot. Uh, and then all of a sudden, everybody will be talking about immigration a lot again. And um, I don't know. It's definitely kind of crazy. It, uh, it's something that I'm not used to people talking about a lot in public, and now everybody is talking about it for, for better or for worse, I guess. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's definitely kind of a, a crazy time, I guess, especially the last six months. I would say crazy. Yeah, movie. it's so funny because we've been trying to get you on here. Like, I'm like, man, I need to reach out to Matt and see if when I can get him on here. And I just every time, like every week, there's like something new where I'm like, well, we gotta we gotta remember to bring <laughs> this. Gotta, up. gotta get Matt on My here, man, because Matt's uh, there's always something going on. Like just recently, obviously, the uh, DACA 
situation. I can't remember what that stands for. Uh, Matt, I'm sure you know. Uh, Deferred action for childhood arrival. I was, there we arrivals, go. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, I was, yeah. yeah, the arrival, the movie. is was good, so I heard. I don't know. What? Uh, yeah, so DACA, uh, that just happened. Did you just stroke out? What? What are we doing? <laughs> um, so obviously that, that situation is, is getting kind of rough. So what's, what's, what's your take on that with uh, how things are going with, with DACA? Well, yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess it, it, it's kind of – I was kind of more looking to see what was happening the days afterwards and what Trump was going to do and, and whether he was going to start using it as a kind of a le- leveraging tool to get the border wall built or something of that. Mm-hmm. So he would offer some kind of a token, we, hey, we'll do this, but only if you fund my border wall and you yeah. know, decrease le- legal immigration and all of that. That hasn't seemed to happen – happened yet but mm-hmm. uh kind of just waiting around for that so gotcha it's kind of terrifying for for some but um well i was gonna say like what's something my good what's that like for the people who are well first of all what is this program real quick for those folks who may have heard this you know stuff thrown around lately but don't really know what's going on yeah it's um well they originally they tried to pass the dream act you know about four or five years ago mm-hmm. um through the senate the senate passed it uh, it did not pass the House, and then uh, basically out of frustration, President Obama decided that he wanted to try to protect that class of of people um, so that they could basically have time to work things out with Congress and then pass another version of, of the DREAM Act in the coming years, but that, that never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so this executive act action went through, and it basically just prevents people from, well, I wouldn't even use the word prevents. It's an agreement with the federal government to not deport you if you meet certain terms um, for a period of two years, and then if you if you get the approval, then you also get work authorization, and that's nice. that's really all that it is. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So basically, now what's happening is uh, Trump has officially rescinded that, correct? And now he's giving Congress six months to try and find a long term solution. Yeah. So after October fifth, nobody else can. Um, renew their their card nobody can initially apply right now mm-hmm. and then yeah the, the program will start being phased out after march of next year um if nothing else happens yeah <laughs> and do you think anything's gonna happen <laughs> i say that just hey. laughing obviously because i'm like great six months huh that's what we get cool we can't even uh, pass a, a budget <laughs> you know yeah it's it's interesting because the I always tell people that as long as people are talking about immigration, that there's a there's a higher likelihood that something will actually happen. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't know if we if we bomb North Korea or <laughs> something of that nature, then immigration reform probably will be swept under the table because it it, it affects a, a class of individuals who are a certain degree of prioritization, you know, within the American. Uh, public and, and political mind, but they're, you know they're like five down the rung. So yeah, um, if we start dealing with healthcare, we start dealing with tax reform. That's just gonna kind of get people distracted from it. So because mm. that's I totally see that happening because I know tax reforms up on the docket, and of course healthcare. You know the stuff uh, Bernie's been talking about lately and things like that. I you know. It's, I, I kind of think about like Standing Rock and everything that was going on with Standing Rock, and then like you know they came to this like head, and then and, like you've heard nothing about it since at all. And I know yeah. there's some been negative things that have happened yeah. <laughs> there since. So I'm just like, and it's just like, sorry, we don't have enough room in this news cycle. I was gonna say, why do you think uh, 
why do you think it is that it, it can be it, it, it is such a hot and cold topic and it's so easily um, people are so easily distracted from it would like what do you in your what in what you've seen is there anything that you can kind of uh, come up with why that happens why it's it's so easily forgettable well I think I think immig- immigrants in general are kind of invisible within society particularly if they don't have the accents or don't have a visual appearance of of, you know, kind of standing out from the kind of the cultural norms. So I think what people generally kind of do is, for example, when they ask me, people ask me what I do, as I say I'm an immigration attorney, they automatically think that, you know, I'm representing only illegal immigrants, and that's the only thing that, that I do. Um, they don't think I represent Justin Bieber, you know, coming <laughs> over from Canada performing <laughs> pop concerts. Right, right, right. Um, and, of course, he, you know, he gets caught with marijuana. That's, a, that's an immigration law issue. Oh, interesting. Um, so, I think that's I think that's part of it. <clears throat> that's really interesting. I, what I, I could speak on that a little bit more. Like, what are some uh, like to because I didn't even consider like someone like like Justin Bieber or someone like getting getting caught with like marijuana or doing something illegal, which Lord knows he's done his fair share of stupid illegal things. But that being an immigration issue, like I didn't uh, I hadn't even considered. I just was thinking, oh, that's just. Pot's illegal in most places, and you got caught with pot. Done. But like, it actually brings into account: could he lose his work visa, or could like what like what are the repercussions from that? Yeah, and you know, he might have the ability to hire you know better legal counsel, or you know, federal government might look the other way because of his class, basically. But but yeah, you know, I, generally anybody in the United States who is not a U.S. citizen. Um, has some Im- immigration, you know, mechanism going on, whether it's a temporary visa, uh, permanent residency, or or something of that nature. Okay. So, um, so yeah, anybody, you know, if your Cuban baseball team is coming in for an exhibition game, each one of them has individual visas that might be pulled together, but they're going to have visas. You know, anybody that marries into a United States family or something, that you know, they'll need a visa. Um, and then you know, all the people who either entered without. Uh, you know, visas or, you know, with a border crossing card and then that expired. That's kind of the general type of person that most people, uh, you know, think about when they think about immigration law. Yeah, very true. So, um, obviously with, you know, you said, you know, immigration law and everything being hot and cold and things like that. With now, it seems like it's pretty hot. What are some of the most frustrating things that you run into currently, like with all the stuff that's happening politically? Uh, in, in your sort of field of field of work? I guess things like, um, I think most people with, with, for example, the quote-unquote dreamer class, I think the polls say that 80% of the American people, you know, support some kind of legalizing action with that with that class of individuals. Well, Matt, you know that, you can't trust polls. You know that, right? Like, no, I are... <laughs> you know, And that probably brings up my real... <laughs> <laughs> I feel, I feel like perhaps I, I might know a little bit of uh, things here that other people don't know. And I, I can, even with my you know friends or family people, um, I feel like sometimes I can go on a 20-minute explanation about the ins and outs of problems of the immigration legal system. <laughs> and then everybody just kind of looks at me as like just a, a biased, breeding heart liberal uh, you know, <laughs> that, that, uh, that, that can't be trusted. So it, of course. That's, that's frustrating. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you're saying like the polls right now, people are in favor of, uh, you know, reforming the system. So, but the, you're saying the real issue now that people just aren't, 
aren't uh, informed. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, I, you know, I, I never knew anything about immigration law before I went to, to law school. And, you know, I, I wasn't the dumbest person out there, probably. Um, you were so not. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> you were not the dumbest. Thanks, Doug. Doug has run the polls on that. You I've done some dumbest. polls, and polls are in that Matt is not the dumbest. So, yeah. And so I just don't, I just don't think it's something that the average, you know, the average person really knows because unless you know an immigrant, there's really no reason. It's, it's like patent law. Sure. You know, I have, I have absolutely no idea to understand anything about patent law. I know that a patent exists. You know, I know you can apply for patents after that. You know, like I don't really have a, a need to know on a daily basis. And I think that's generally the same thing with immigration law. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of sort of the side of what everybody's doing that it's just not applicable really. And so, I guess, except for this vague kind of, they're coming to take my jobs, they're taking our healthcare, that kind of thing. That is always the frustrating thing for me. Um, which I think Justin and I have talked about this in the past too, is just the fact that like, because people do not like know someone of another class or race or group of people, they kind of look at them as the other and then they'll see a news article or some sort of story about this group of people or whatever. And because they don't know them, they can't put a human face to it. They become this sort of other tribe. And because of that, they now have this sort of stigma about them. And they're like, well, we can't, these, these immigrants are taking our jobs and it's, you know, they're, I'm paying for their medical bills. I'm paying their taxes, but they've never actually, if I guarantee that if they'd actually know someone and talk to them and put a human face on it, that that would make them go, oh wait, these are people. These aren't just yeah, these, these these this this roving band of job stealers out there who are just like going to the hospital and be like, yeah, this is free. You know, I think sometimes people just sort of get caught up in that and they get irritated, and that also irritates me because you know social media exists and people make these these opinions known. Right. Well, back in the day, you take a look at like when people used to, uh, you know, there's <clears throat> take it back even even further to kind of the ancient times over in in Europe and everything you would hear about these groups of oh, like sure. oh they de- they decimated this country or something or now they're coming for us or if you see one of them like you know like, like these these stories get built around and this rhetoric that they're dangerous and like oh, yeah. it's so easy and now with social media it's so much more it's so much more widespread which is funny though because at the same time you could very easily do your own research back yeah. back in the day you know, you had no way to do research. You just had to go, oh, I heard these people just raped an entire country. Yeah. You know, and, and killed them all. Well, you don't even have to go that far back. Even like World War II. Well, yeah, there you, you go. You know, like the Japanese, you know, were portrayed horribly in our end. And on the other end, they were like, Americans are going to come by and they're going to eat your babies. <laughs> you know, so they come out of a village and people are ready to throw their kids over a cliff so that the Americans can eat their babies. Right. You know, it's propaganda and yeah. stuff like that, obviously. And so with all the interconnectivity that we have now, that still gets perpetuated with social media. I find that the most frustrating, that we, we have access to more information than we've ever had in our history of being just existing, and yet we still have, you know, some incredibly stupid situations, probably because, you know, the polls aren't real, you know? <laughs> I'm that's, sensing, that's I'm true, sensing a theme. I think the title of the episode <laughs> yeah. is episode 110, The Polls Aren't Real. The Polls Aren't Real. With Matt Hanley. <laughs> not the people from Poland, though. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there's a, there's a conspiracy theory out there that something like Finland is not real. That it was. <laughs> I remember reading that recently where they're just like, they're saying that Finland is actually, if you look at it on a map, it's the perfect shape of a lake. 
and it's a lake that both like Japan and several other countries have like agreed to let everyone know that this this country exists so that they can have exclusive fishing rights to this lake, this, this body of water. And I was like, "What?" Again, you you sit there and go, "Consider how many moving parts are in play for that lie to stick." That's the <laughs> thing that gets me. Where it's like you know the, the the flat earthers. Well, there's a giant ice wall. That all the countries have agreed that they're not going to go over. And on the other side of the undead, and they're all going to march through it. Exactly. fucking zombie dragons. We've got all these, you know, white walkers on the other side of the wall. And the criminals aren't really in prisons. They're manning the wall, you know, because they have to guard guard us from the oncoming white walkers. I'm like, do you realize how inefficient governments are and how many leaks there are on a regular basis? You're trying to tell me that for... How many decades or centuries people have been like, there's a nice wall, and we're all going to agree that we're not going to talk about it. Right. We're not going to fly over there. Just, it's, <laughs> we're going to somehow create these devices that take pictures of the Earth from space, and then we're just going to manipulate it so that it looks round. And we're, we're all in agreement here, right? Even when someone passes away, this agreement will still be in place. Or if someone steps down from office, right. no one's going to leak this material. Like, this is all... Legit. This is our agreement in perpetuity. Exactly. Forever. Right? We can't all agree to... to, to, We can't find a way to get North Korea to settle the fuck down, but we all agree that there's ice walls. Priorities, son. Priorities. U.S. and and Russia are, you know, back to Cold War relations, but Uh, we can all still agree that, like, yeah, but we're not going to talk about that ice wall. No, but ice wall still exists. Ice wall still exists. We're okay with this. (laughs) We must mend the wall. (laughs) It's an awesome accent, I know. So yeah, going back to that, Matt. You so have, what do you think of all what that? What do you think about that, Matt? <laughs> Is Finland well, I, real? <laughs> you know, I I would say probably, but I'm not sold. <laughs> I heard today. You got to take that lawyer's mind and be like, well, I need to see some proof, right? Yeah. You haven't proved proved to me beyond a reasonable doubt. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, speaking yeah. about social media and stuff, um, I've always enjoyed your social media um, because. In a, in a world full of people who just attack each other all the time and just take giant steaming word dumps on people's pages and, and things like that. I just I, I love seeing anything that you post because um, it's, it's very you have a perspective, but it's very respectful. Like you're never you're never out there to tear anyone down or anything like that. Obviously, if someone like is a huge dick, you'll have fun with them and you'll be sarcastic and you'll poke fun at them. But uh, I find that there's a lot of times like you'll post stuff on your page or I'll see, you know, some article that, you know, with a bunch of randos on there and you're just replying to someone going, well, actually, and not, not in like the pretentious way. Well, actually, let me put on my mansplaining goggles and, you know, let this happen. But you always take it through and you try to put things in perspective for people. Um, is, is that exhausting for you <laughs> or is that fun? You know, it's, uh, I don't get exhausted at all. That's probably part of the problem for some people. <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, I, I enjoy, I enjoy, uh, conversation and communication and uh, arguing and obviously I'm, I suppose I'm, I'm verbose, um, probably. <laughs> and, uh, I'm a contrarian, uh, so that probably those combinations of the two, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was, I, I was the kind of kid that I always felt like I was misunderstood by my, my parents or people. And I needed to just explain the situation so that they would come to agree with me. Sure. And I think that probably carries forward to, to the day. Probably. Do you, can you think of an example where you had to explain yourself to like your friends and or family when they didn't understand you? 
Well, anytime I was being disciplined for something, I would, <laughs> you would always have a. <laughs> it's like you just—it was, you know, it was—it was my sister. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> you, just, you just don't understand why it was my sister. <laughs> not, the real, not the real one to be uh, being blamed here, but. Uh, oh my god, that's hilarious! So you just kind of had a natural defense mechanism. <laughs> I think that's what it is. I think, yeah, yeah. Did yeah, you? I'll either admit I'm wrong very quickly, or I will just never admit I'm wrong. <laughs> And you're married. Congrats. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I don't always admit that I'm right. Um, I just, uh, I think as a, that legal mindset, you don't argue a losing battle. Oh, People okay. oh. think that you're always arguing because you never want to be wrong, but it's just that you quickly agree that you're wrong and then, and then go on to like a qualified argument where you're wrong or they're wrong, but you're hanging to a small a small point that you're, huh. you're still right on, perhaps. <laughs> I, I feel like you need to explain that concept to the rest of the world, where it's like you don't argue a losing point. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just like yeah, it's it's like in sports or something. You know, you just you're just down by twenty runs or something like that, and you just you, you kind of maybe give up and save it for the next game. <laughs> Guys, maybe we just. Uh... Let's just let's just turn in. Come on. I, I guess you with that, put in put in the rookies. Yeah, yeah. I guess what that turns into is people probably think they're right. I guess they don't realize that you know they're wrong, so they're going to fight tooth and nail. Well, it's I don't even know if it's that they don't know that they're wrong. It's because I've been in plenty of situations where I blatantly know that I'm not going to win this, but I will dig in and I'm like I'm going to do everything, every manipulative like argument that I can in order to make it seem like I'm right. No, I've because, never seen that. Never seen that out of you, buddy. I know, right? <laughs> well, usually it's in it's in a joking contest yes. on this podcast, but in he's real devil, life, he's, devil, he's the king devil's advocate. I, I love it. I do, I do enjoy the devil's advocate uh, game, but I I think it's it's more of a pride thing. Like it's more of a like, well, I don't want to look, I don't want to feel stupid. Yeah. So I'm going to dig in and I'm going to try. And in doing so, you obviously usually make yourself look or feel even stupider. Yeah. Because you're gonna lose. Because that at that point, you're grasping at straws right. and. Because I think that too, or, or like, you make yourself look like an asshole. Yeah, you know. Because I can understand that for a particular like one one off argument, but if you build your ideology and your philosophies and your kind of like worldview around this thing that is incorrect, right? But then you're still fighting tooth and nail for it, right? But again, for that to become part of your ideology, you'd have to believe that it's right. Like you wouldn't be able to. You wouldn't have to have any sort of like. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Because that's like that's pretty much you. You're gonna associate that with your identity and who you are. So it's just a, a misguided soul? I guess. I mean, I don't know. Matt? <laughs> Matt? <laughs> I don't know. Do you, have you heard of that, that study, the Dunning-Kruger study? No. No. It, it's basically, if I get really snide in an argument with somebody, I'll just say Dunning-Kruger, hoping a year, you know, a year or a day from maybe they'll, they'll Google it and then get the slight. But uh, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's, it's talked about fairly regularly in certain podcasting circles i think people bring it up but it's basically the study that basically shows that you have to be smart enough to a certain point to understand what you don't understand ah. and the, and so if i was going to talk about engineering uh, you have to have a certain kind of knowledge and context to otherwise you you really don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. that's a good so, point i remember hearing a when i was in college there was a, a quote that i loved and i still love to this day that says uh a little knowledge is a dangerous thing which is kind of going along with that, where people will learn a little bit, or they'll have a little bit, and then they're like, cool, I got this. I know. It's like 
kind of like you know that college kid that comes back from their first semester after having a philosophy class. And I've like, never heard of that. Right? <laughs> Where they come back and they're like, hey, man, I got – guys, look what I learned. And they're just spouting on the stuff. And the second someone asks a question, they're like, uh-oh, I don't – because you haven't, they haven't sat with the information. They haven't thought about it, formed their own opinions. They're just, they heard a, a, a sliver of this, and they're like, "I can, I can regurgitate that." Exactly. Yeah, I can they're throw like, that. This is amazing, and I like this, but I, I think that's very true. Where they don't, they haven't studied it enough to the point where you know they can actually. I think that's an excellent point where they're like, "Oh, wait, yeah, I don't know this." And I feel like that's also like for experts like you, Matt, in the field, and also my brother, which I love because he talks about how he's obviously in uh, he's a teacher, high school, and when any sort of political education you know sort of situation comes up, people are like, "We ought to do this," and he's like, "Well, actually, we shouldn't do that," and they're like, "Well, why?" He's like, "Well, I'm a teacher, and I do this every day, and uh, here's actually what we should do," and it's kind of like one of those things again, the idea of you've heard something. But you don't really know all the details. You just kind of heard that talking point. And and I and Matt, how do we stop that? Justin, how do we fix that? I say we take them all to court. Matt? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think, yeah, yeah, we, we can take them. I don't litigate, but I'm sure that's somebody. Um, I don't know. I think, I think kind of the more diverse group of friends that you have, I think that helps because then you have a – a higher percent chance of knowing somebody who has a, a degree of knowledge that is is to a great extent something that you don't have, right. whether it's music or or somebody that's a that's a teacher or you know growing up in a, in a small town in Missouri, you know you know farmers. Sure. And I always think back. I was like, hey, you know, I'm not going to tell you how to rotate your crops, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. But but you're but you're going to tell somebody about education policy or something, yeah. You know, but I, I don't. I, I think that would. Do you ever run across? That would help. Do you ever run across those types of people, people in the uh, in the law field? Like, are there are there those that you've seen like, and you're like, you just need to stop talking because you're <laughs> you're you're trying to cross into an area where you you're not as learned or you're not as uh, proficient as I am. You know, I think the interesting thing about law is is it's a profession, and you're governed by ethics. And your your mind is, is trained so much to know that if you start going into an area and you're giving advice or talking on something that you don't know, mm. you could be held malpractice, you could lose your license, you could be sued by the client or whatnot. So I think I think the interesting thing about law and, and most lawyers probably is you have that defense mechanism to immediately shut up um, if you're if you're talking about something that you don't know. Interesting. And I don't know if every profession has that. Nope. Much, perhaps. But. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I would say they do not, but that's that's really interesting. I didn't even yeah. consider that. That's so funny because like yeah. the, the legal team at, at my company, they I, I get so frustrated with them because they are always so, I don't know if scared's the right word, but they say no to everything all the time. Where they're basically like, yeah. well, what about this? And they're like, no, we can't do that. Because I understand they're like, we're going to be somehow, there's going to be a vulnerability, and we cannot let that happen and they were giving us a, a, a session on um, you know a proprietary information confidentiality and trade secrets and all this sort of stuff which I just naturally find fascinating and he uh, the guy gives us like a, a sort of a scenario he goes okay here's a scenario and he's like all right what do you think you should do and people had a couple different answers and the real answer was well it depends I was like god no shit it depends <laughs> I know but that was like his legal mind going like well there's no clear-cut answer here because technically yeah. speaking, 
you could do this, but then this, but uh, we need to discuss, we'd have to figure it out on a case by case basis. I'm like, could you come up with an example that was clear cut so all of us dummies can just understand? Like instead of just going like, well, there's a lot. I mean, that's how he sounds. He sounds like Kermit. <laughs> you know, I, I just I get so frustrated. I was like, well, I don't think legal is going to like that. I'm like, they don't like anything we do. We can't do anything. Like technically speaking, I'm like, ah. Man, is law just subjective? <laughs> like I feel like a lot of I feel like law is not law. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like it's not just that's like gotta be the quote of the week. I feel laws, like law is yeah. not law. Like, it's, no, I, I feel think like it's more I, subjective than a lot of people consider. I think it's hundred percent true. I think if you if you look at the well, look at the constitution and you argue about the Second Amendment, and that's kind of the root of all American law. Um, you're still arguing over common usage and whether everybody has a right to bear arms or, or just militias. Or, and I think that's, I mean, that carries over into everything. Right. Um, I mean, they subjective, the judge makes a decision. His decision is called an opinion. Okay, um, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, it's, it's all subjective. So definitely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, it's funny you bring up punctuation. Cause I think you posted an article a few months back about the Oxford comma and like a sort of a union issue where they didn't use the comma in the right spot. So, because these guys, these union work were, I think they were truckers. And they were saying, because of the use of the comma, it made it seem like something that they did was a part of their job. Like it wasn't overtime or extra, but it actually should have been. Or something along those lines. So a comma cost this company like, an exorbitant amount of money because the judge ruled in favor of the drivers. It was like, well, technically speaking, it says right here, and this, and there was. This isn't, that, it's not two things. It was part of one thing because that comma was missing by the end. Exactly, yeah. and I, I love that too because I cannot stand this comma stuff these days. <laughs> because I'm like, if you have three things, you have two commas, and then the word and, and then the last thing. So it goes Doug, comma Justin, comma and Matt. It's not Doug, comma Justin and Matt. That's wrong. <laughs> That's fucking wrong. And anyone out there that does it that way, you're dead to me. They're just justifying laziness, Doug. Well, it's confusing because then it's like Justin and Matt are together. Like, that, you are one thing. You forever. Are, forever. It's not because it should be three separate things. And logically, you separate that with the commas. And right. Plus, it's rule threes. So yeah. <laughs> Naturally. Naturally, it just makes more sense that way. It feels right. Nice catch. Thank you. <laughs> I've had my coffee this morning. <laughs> <laughs> that was excellent. So yeah, that when I saw that, I, I laughed so hard. I was like, man, would that be frustrating? Do you think, as like a lawyer or a judge, to be just pouring over grammatical things like that? To be like, technically, what does this mean? Yeah, unless you really like doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Matt smiles big. He's like, well, I kind of like. Uh, I know some. Stuff. I know yeah. some people who uh, they get off on that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to. Well, you know, it'd be like being an editor or something. No, oh, sure. Uh oh. Well, that's not good. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So here's what's going on, Doug Vamp. <laughs> I think. Uh, oh, he's calling back. Uh, Matt accidentally hung up on us, but he's going to be back in just a moment. There he is. Hey, buddy. I won't touch anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. That went off, and I went, Doug, vamp, quick. I was like, ah, uh, boop, 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 Which everyone will hear in the episode, so yeah. uh, now twice. I've explained something to the listeners that they already just went through, so yeah. you're welcome, listeners. That's right. Um, My apologies. So, it's totally fine. Uh, no, I wanted to ask, uh, getting, getting back onto the immigration thing, um, I, I just want to get from your professional opinion – 
since you're in it all the time, what is your take on on the wall and and everything that's that surrounds that? Like, is I feel like there's some extraordinarily blown out statistics that that the the proponents of the wall are 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 kind of putting out there, and I feel like if if anyone were to you know, take some time and actually look at the the actual numbers, the actual statistics. That they're it's basically it's just complete bullshit is what they're they're throwing out there in order to get support for this wall. But again, that's just a feeling of mine. I was. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah, it's a it's a good feeling. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I can explain. It'll get really wonky. I always feel like, but uh, but no, I think um, with the wall. I mean, if I'm just a pragmatic kind of realist person, you know, I have to pick my battles. The wall wouldn't be my wouldn't be my first battle within the immigration world. That being said, what I would well, I mean, my empathies and whatnot go more to the people who are already here, and I deal with them on a daily basis and and, and their struggles. And so, kind of a wall that would impede more people from coming in. Um, you know, I just have kind of a, a first responsibility to the people who are already here in whatever capacity, and a secondary uh, responsibility to everybody else. But sure. I would. I would say that, yeah, so, I mean, illegal immigration is down over the last 10 years in a, in a big way. Um, you know, it would have peaked in the early 2000s. If you if you look at statistics like El Paso, you know, El Paso for a city of its size is one of the safest cities in the United States. It's right on the border, right across from, you know, Juarez, one of the most dangerous uh, cities in Mexico, which is generally speaking, you know, not the safe, safest country in the world. And so, you know, given all of that, it's kind of like, why are we talking about the wall now if we didn't need the wall 15 years ago? Um, so people are self-deporting. People aren't coming in as much. Um, so it, it's really probably needed less now than it has been any time in the last 30 years. So sure. why, why we're going to spend billions of dollars now to do it? Um, yeah, it, it's there's a lot of misinformation going around. Interesting. I think definitely. So but, what, uh, you talked about how you're kind of focusing your efforts efforts elsewhere, like with the people here. Like, what are you focus your, focusing your efforts on uh, in in your kind of day to day life now? Yeah, I think um, in in Texas, um, where I still where I still practice, um, they have SB four, which is the one of the laws that that they passed to kind of deal with uh, sanctuary cities. Because mm-hmm. in Texas, generally, the all the metropolitan areas are pretty liberal. Um, but the state as a whole is, of course, not. So you have a lot of uh, places, San Antonio, Austin, Dallas, um, kind of fighting the, the state and the federal government in a, in a way to kind of protect certain people, or at least not you know, infringe on their lives unnecessarily, probably. Um, so I think that's bringing a lot of people in. A lot of people are scared about not having driver's licenses and, and uh, getting pulled over for a, a blinker being out or something mm-hmm. and then getting de- getting deported. So that's you know, but the daily stuff. I you know, just people falling out of status, people getting married, and um, a lot of asylum. You know, a lot of we have a lot of asylum cases, refugees coming in from the mid mid east and the mm-hmm. Latin America. So that's still pretty high. But really, you know, my my job probably it really hasn't changed a whole lot in the last eight years. Really, it, you'll get little ebbs and flows, but the law hasn't really changed. Um, so that people's ability to uh, you know, fix their situation or apply for something really hasn't changed since you know 1997. Okay. So, 
Was that a, that was a big so. was that a big turning year for things, or was there just a lot of legislation passed that year? Yeah, they passed the yeah the Illegal Immigration Reform Act um, in 1996. It went into effect in 1997, uh, and that's when they created a lot of the punitive measures that we kind of are dealing with today. And and so they they created this bar system. And so if you're in the United States, this is this is kind of the wonkiest it gets. But this is the the big problem in immigration right now is that you had a kind of a casual border with Mexico um, for, for decades and people would come and, and go and come and go and they might overstay their visa or they might come in, you know, illegally and stay for a few months, but they would always go for the most part. Uh, in 96, they created this bar that said that if you stay in the United States for more than a year without status and then you leave, you're barred for 10 years for coming back. Oh, wow. So it kind of, it created this one way valve system where, if people, you know, they didn't change their behavior. So people kept coming and working in the fields or working construction or visiting family for overextended periods of time. And that, that behavior didn't change just because the law changed, um, partially because a lot of people, you know, weren't educated and they just kind of had been doing what they always did. But then they kind of started to feel like, oh, wait a second, I, I can't necessarily leave because I can't come back for 10 years if I do oh, that. So it's actually, it's a disin, disincentive to, to leave. And so that, that's a lot of the problem. And so you've just been dealing with a population that's kind of stuck here. Um, and then we'll come into my office occasionally and try to try to resolve that problem. Oh, that's really interesting. That's so fascinating to me how things are made with the right intentions. And then like decades later, we look back and be like, oh, that's created an entirely different problem. Kind of yeah, like exactly. Uh, exactly. Clinton's three strikes. You know, and the the drug stuff that was going on, where he's basically like, if you get caught three times, you're in jail for the rest of the, your life or whatever. It's, oh, it's, it's done over, and that created this huge influx of prisoners that were staying for minor offenses. It didn't matter. Like, I think it was. I don't know the details because I'm gonna talk out of my ass. Uh, but it was like something like if you got three felony charges, regardless of like their severity, that was it. You're done. You're out. So, and obviously with marijuana and things like that being technically a felony and people were being caught with that, they were spending just lifelong prison sentences. So that would create this huge influx of prisoners uh, in, in the prison system and which almost created this, you know, prisoner cottage industry uh, for all these, for all these different people. And then like decades later, he was like, yeah, that was a bad idea. Like he actually went back and was like, yeah, I, I messed up. Wow. He's like, that was cause the intention was, I'm sure it was the intention was we got to get these bad, you know these bad hombres, if you will, uh, hey. off the off the street, so that we make our, our. But what they're not taking into account are the smaller things like right. the weed and, and some of those minor drug offenses, which ruin people's lives and all like that. But also, you know, because of the you know the felony stuff, because they would go in and they come out and they had nothing there for them, they would just go back to doing crime. Right. And I was like, oh my god, how would you feel to be like, cool, I passed something that's going to be part of my legacy, this is going to be great, and then 20 years later you're like, fuck, I did it wrong, I created a worse problem, that would suck so much. I well, feel- you're, you're, you're spot on, really, in that, in that regard, because you know, that all was created at the same time as, as the Immigration Reform Act, yeah. right? And so it's the ideologies politically, um, you know, on that kind of punitive nature, whether it's crim- criminal violations with drugs or whatnot or immigration violations, um, it's punitive in the same nature. Mm-hmm. And just like, you know, kind of a one strike and you're out policy, we're sending people to, to jail for the first time of you know possession for marijuana. Um, the immigration bars don't have really any way around them for a lot of people. So it's like you make that one mistake 
you know, 25 years ago and you can't write it, you know, you can't pay a $20,000 fine. You can't go back to Mexico because your family's here. You don't want to leave them, but you also don't want to wait for 10 years to come back. Um, so it doesn't really give you an option to, to fix the wrong. So it, it's, it's, uh, it's very much in the same, in the same spirit. The problem is, you know, immigration is such a toxic issue that um, criminal law has been reformed over the years because a lot of it's done at the state level. So we're yeah. no longer putting together. But for immigration law to be changed, um, you have to get all of Congress to agree. Right. So immigration Jesus. law has has remained the same, whereas we've gotten more progressive with with criminal law. Jesus, um, so that's such a uh, it's, it's such a it sits in such a uh, in such a weird place. Like yeah, to to like it, it's it's something that needs reform, but. It's too toxic that no one really wants to take it on, and there's the, it just it's in this weird little bubble where it just kind of just you can see why it's, it's sits. It's hot and cold is because it's like all of a sudden it's a political. It's one hundred percent political, right? As far as like the reform that comes around, and because it requires so much effort, it's it's got to be a hot button issue for anything to happen, better or worse, for that stuff to to change. Which yeah, really sucks. I feel like almost people in the, I you know again I I don't I'm not in I'm not privy to the conversations behind the uh, the walls of of uh, you know Congress or the White House, but I feel uh, I feel like people there's some people who go you know what it's time it's time we're gonna do this and then they get in the middle of it they get into the thick of it and they're like. Oh shit! This was more than I thought. Uh, you know what? Let's just slowly back out of this, and let's yeah. you know what? Oh, North Korea's doing something, guys! Look over there. Yeah, right. That's fucked up, and then we're done with this. You know, <laughs> I feel like people don't understand what how, how much it is to take that on. Yeah, because I mean, honestly, I don't personally know any immigrant folks. You know, so like it, to me, it's like I, it's important to me, but it's not to the point where it affects Doug, me. Doug, everyone you know is an immigrant. Hey, you're Swedish. Exactly. Welcome to America, buddy. <laughs> Taxi make avoid. Ah, yeah. Tare lunk, eh? Yes. <laughs> yes. My lord. <laughs> My lord. You hate the dog, but I hate to do. Yeah. Meatball. Matt, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. Just keep kicking it back yeah. like, Matt, what do you think? We're being dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just thinking Muppets. I'm sorry, I just had this real of a Muppet episode going in my head while we're talking yeah. about this. Yeah, exactly. Well, you also what are we, what are we cooking? What are well, we cooking? well, I I want to talk kind of obviously with you mentioned criminal law and it made me think about you know redemption. Do you? I see so many times of like these Netflix specials or things like that where these people are uh, you know criminally prosecuted or whatever and then for the rest of their life they're deemed like this evil human being you know for something and do you think on your level do you think it's possible for someone to go serve their time uh you know and then come out the other end and actually be a better person or are they forever marked as this horrible human being for the rest of their life yeah, I think I think definitely redemption. I, I, of course, I if I wouldn't have been an immigration attorney, I would have been probably a defense mm-hmm. uh, you know, defense <laughs> attorney. So <laughs> that's where I'm coming from. But nice. I think I think if you I think being a lawyer, the interesting thing is you get to you you get exposure to a lot of people, and they talk to you about imp- intimate things. It's, it's similar to like a counselor or a psychologist, and and uh, you know a, a psychologist isn't going to get hung up on you for saying something that makes you look a little bit crazy or something like that. Cause they're in their head. They're probably thinking everybody's a little bit crazy. Gosh, sure. this guy's completely normal. Um, so I, I think law gives you that perspective mm-hmm. too, just because you get to see all the blemishes in everybody's life. And you'll see this, you know, this person that you think is a great guy comes into your office all the time and 
oh, you know, you have a little domestic violence, which of course isn't a, isn't a good thing at all. Um, yeah. you know, it's, that's something that, but you, you kind of realize that that's not the whole person and then you kind of get to know the family and, um, but it's, it's hard, you know, when I was a clerk, I represented people that were convicted. Well, yeah, as a clerk, I just read the briefs, but mm-hmm. you're working with people that were, you know, statutory rapists that, you know, it's a situation where dad walked in on an 18 year old dating a 16 year old girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, dad doesn't like him anyway. So he calls the cops, this guy, you know, then gets, you know, put on the sexual offense or the, you know, the sexual criminal lists and has to register and then um yeah but he's a small town plumber um oh, who lives no. in that town so everybody knows he's the guy that 25 years ago um and and you know that's a that's a big stigma because you know you get put in with everybody else right um and you're not saying it's a good thing but you're saying 25 years later this is still affecting this guy that has to register right um where, whereas honestly you could have been you know a, a you know a punk kid who you know, shot somebody. Um, mm-hmm. and then you went to jail for 20 years and you know, you're out and you don't have to register at all. Yeah. Right. right. And, and so, but this, this guy that the statutory rapist still is on the list, um, not being able to get employed, um, because of the, of the stigma 25 years later. And okay. so I think you, it's easy to kind of focus on the negativity, but then you can kind of see how it impacts everybody as well as <clears throat> you know, the extent, I guess. So. And all that, it's just like, you, you know, that's just the thought of that just blows my mind because I'm like, God damn it! Like the, for the rest of his life, and no one's gonna know the details. Right? They're just gonna know. They're gonna hear he's the rapist. They're gonna hear the headline, but they're not gonna read the article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, well, and they and they don't want to know. You know, you, you just kind of jump to assumptions and you get lumped into. But it's uh, yeah, it's it's hairy, I guess. Yeah. I don't know, but I was of the mind. People always ask me like, how how could you defend somebody that did X, Y, or Z? And uh, my, you know, I, my mentality was always, you know, as a prosecutor, how could you put an innocent person in, in jail? Interesting. You know, I, I think that would keep me up at night more. But oh, you know, people man. are pe- people are programmed, you know, in one way or the other for the most part. Right. Um, and uh, I, I guess I'm not programmed that way, for better or worse. But. Yikes. You know how I'm programmed. How are you programmed, Justin? I'm programmed to do one thing. And one thing only, which is... The Throwdown. Throwdown! It's time for the Throwdown. That was good. Okay. <laughs> so, today's Throwdown is going to take a legal twist. Oh, shit. <clears throat> and I got a couple options here. Oh, shit. All right? Uh, some of them I have no bearing for how the Throwdown would go. So I'm hoping one of you have seen the movie. Because <laughs> I have not seen... Okay. I have not seen some I, of the... What's that? No, and I've not. No. Are you are you are you uh, learned in law movies? Like, do you watch law movies? Actually, let me ask you that real quick because, <laughs> like, I know like bouncers like go home and just like just like they get their rocks off to like Roadhouse. They're like, yeah, that's what I want to be. Like, do you do you watch like every chance you get like a law movie? Like, you really into that? Um, no. When I was younger, <laughs> yes, probably. Okay. So, He's like, I go to I bed every night. I watch Liar Liar before I go to bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that Sherry O'Terry. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Okay, well, we'll see how this goes. Then. <laughs> so the first option uh, is uh, it's going to be Tom Cruise versus Tom Cruise. Okay. All right, it's Tom Cruise in A Few Good Men uh-huh. versus Tom Cruise in The Firm. All right. Now I have not seen The Firm. But I know that he's a lawyer in both. <laughs> have you seen the firm? I've seen Matt? them both. Yeah, I have. Yes, you have. Yes. Oh, you've seen them both. I've seen Great. Them both. Okay, so we yeah. could do this one, and I'll just be quiet. 
Um, the other one we could do uh, would be <laughs> Joe Pesci's character in My Cousin Vinny versus Jim Carrey's character in Liar Liar. I think we should do Tom Cruise versus Tom Cruise. <laughs> Yeah, I can handle. I can handle that. You can handle that. All right, you Maybe can't handle it. And that, the other one, I was yeah. like, who could we put Atticus Finch against? <laughs> and I was like, what? Didn't Matthew McConaughey do one where he defended uh, someone from the South? Like, he used the Lincoln lawyer. Was it the Lincoln? So it's the Lincoln lawyer versus Atticus Finch. We could do either either one of any three of those. I like Tom Cruise versus Tom Cruise. All right. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, we already did Dread versus Dread, so that is the law versus the law. So <laughs> the we rest. can't do that again. Yeah. Well, technically, this is the law versus the law. Well, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Um, I know from watching, uh, I definitely watched Few Good Men more than The Firm, but I know in Few Good Men, uh, Tom Cruise's character is pretty, um, and what, what's the situation? Are they fighting to the death? Are they litigating? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I don't know where to go with this because <laughs> as long as there's a running scene, Tom Cruise is going to win against himself. Yeah. But okay. I don't, I don't know if, do they, do they do, is it physical? Like, does it come to blows or is it really just like one of them is trying to get the other one put in jail? <laughs> Because this is how the law really this works. This is how the law works. One lawyer can challenge another lawyer and be like, whoever loses goes to jail. <laughs> <laughs> That's taught in Law 101. <laughs> if you want to duel another lawyer, just be prepared for the consequences. <laughs> At any point in time, you have three times a year where you can call someone out and you can do a lawyer duel. Um, I feel like if it was purely physical, I think Tom Cruise from A Few Good Men has uh, a little leg up because he's military. So well, yeah, he he is, but they don't. I mean, he's not like he's he's military law. Yeah, I guess he's had a little PT, but I mean, I mean that's one thing that he keeps getting. You know, they keep jabbing at him because he's not oh, really yeah. a soldier. He's very yeah. much a, a a desk jockey. You know, he loves to negotiate. Right. He loves to you know settle on cases, but he does have some sort of military. He has some PT behind it. So yeah, I would say if it if it's hand to hand. What do you think, man? I would say maybe a few good men, Tom Cruise. Yeah, I think I think definitely. Unless I have to disagree, and then I can think of something. Because <laughs> then in the firm, do I have to disagree. That Tom Cruise is like, I mean, he's trying to you know run for his life. He's very he's very thoughtful in that sort of sense because he's trying to avoid the mob and being killed by Mitch the mob. McDeary, that's the firm Tom Cruise. So we can use their names. All right, Mitch McDeary. Um, I think uh, he's very wily in the sense of what he has to do to like physically avoid danger on a regular yeah. basis. I don't feel like um, Tom Cruise in Few Good Men, Lieutenant Daniel Caffey, or Caffey in uh, in Few Good Men. Like, there's no real physical danger that's ever presented to him in that film. Sure. So I don't really just know. the the wrath and ire of uh, Jack just, Nicholson. Just verbal verbal assaults from different people. Um, you know, versus you know the firm where Mitch Hedberg has to basically make sure that he's not killed by the mafia on a regular basis. Is it Mitch Hedberg, yeah. All right, I Trying like to see it. See if you were listening, you were good. Also, uh, Gary Busey's in the firm, so I think any time that you have to survive Gary Busey, either acting across from him or actually physically trying to survive him, I feel like you got a leg up. I think this was pre crazy Busey. Um, no, there's no pre crazy Busey. Ah, uh, this one was pretty. It was medicated Busey. <laughs> Yeah. Or brain trauma abuse. Or brain trauma abuse. Uh, oh, so I'm kind of like I'm talking myself in, into circles here. Well, Matt, what do you think? What, what as a lawyer, how would you how would you how would you put both of these these lists together? Yeah, I don't. I, I think yeah, the firm Tom Cruise. I I definitely he's a survivalist, I guess, but I don't know if he would 
win in a fight. I guess he's kind of the the guy that's just running away from. I mean, he's, he's running over you know, frame that's cheating over billable hours, so it's like really like dark and scary. Right? They're, 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 they're padding, they're padding their hours, and they, you know, which is which is everybody's nightmares, you know. <laughs> um, so, so, the true uh, horror is padding billable so, hours. So, so I think, in my mind, yeah, it would be pretty, pretty clearly a, a few good men, uh, Tom Cruise. Now, what if they Although were? As, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was just saying, as a as a young law school, of course, the student, the the firm was my favorite movie. Probably. Oh, was it really? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean. Of the, of the two, I, yeah. I think I, I would have, you know, you have your young guy right out of school, naive, you're getting all the fancy things, everything's going well, you're moving to this perfect kind of community, and then you find out that you you join the firm from, you know, hell, I guess, but... So, what yeah. do you think, uh, as far as if they were if they were litigating, if they were standing up, standing Kathy, up in court? Kathy from Few Good Men. Yeah? Hands down. Yeah, definitely, yeah. There's just that defining moment where, you know, he starts out as like a guy who's just sort of wheeling and dealing, and then he start, he realizes that he's actually going to defend his clients, and just like his, his old man used to do, and uh, he just basically does whatever he can to defend it. Just, he puts up a hell of a case. Now, also, to be fair, in the firm, I don't feel like we really see uh, Mitch Hedberg really do much as far as like any courtroom work. He's just sort of like behind yeah. the scenes. You don't get there. Yeah. If you had a, if they were fighting and one of the two were going to find out the fight was rigged and so ah. they could then the firm, the firm time uh, He would do his whole thing that, to yeah, be like, yeah. this is all bullshit. So yeah. he would, okay. So he would, he would uncover the, he would uncover the, 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 the rigging, if you will. But physically he wouldn't yeah. be able to do anything about it. But then you go, oh, yeah. And then, and then. <laughs> And then Caffey from Few Good Men would just wail, wail on him. Okay, so you yeah. think Caffey is the better lawyer. Now, let's take that and we'll say, what about Caffey then versus... We're going to move him up the ranks like a video game. Okay. All right, Caffey won that round. We're going to put him against uh, uh, Keanu Reeves from The Devil's Advocate. <laughs> so you basically got the Ooh. son of Satan <sighs> against well, Caffey. he's got advantages because he's the son of Satan. <laughs> And we've seen that yeah. plenty of times in that movie where, you know, some guy just, you know, nails a cow's, a goat's tongue to a board and all of a sudden the other lawyer can't talk during court. He just <laughs>, <coughs> coughs. And so he's like, cool, he wins. Still feel like Kathy would have the moral resolve to get through that. <laughs> to get through a, a dark, dark magic. Yeah. Dark evil magic. Yep. I'd have to give it to Keanu Reeves just because his dad's uh, basically paving his way to hell. Yeah, get it? Maybe. Because lawyers are the devil, devil's advocate. Dun dun dun! What just happened? I don't know. That's, that movie's dumb. It was just like so much like <laughs> I love that movie. It's the devil's That's... advocate. And he's a lawyer. I love the how the we oh, yeah. get made. They lean way into it. And yeah, they just they make fun of it like it was some coked up like guys like hey, everyone hates lawyers because they're fucking assholes and they're evil. We'll call it the devil's advocate, and his dad will be Satan. Yeah, write this down. <laughs> like it's just like what. Tina, write this down. It was so heavy-handed the whole way right. through. It was just like, and then his dad's the fucking devil. You know, it's just horrible stuff. There you go. All right, so we've got <laughs> Kathy the winner. Uh, between Cruz versus Cruz, it's Few Good Men Cruz, but then he gets his ass handed to him once he goes up against Keanu Reeves from The Devil's Advocate. Exactly. Done. Because his daddy's paving his way to hell. Would you agree with this? Would you agree with yeah, this opinion? I, 
I would. The whole Satan on your side thing, I think, would be the, the <laughs> edge. A significant yeah. advantage. Uh, hard to argue yeah, against. I think so. <laughs> awesome. Well, Matt, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Um, before we sort of like do our, our end end uh, end reel here, um, uh, if you could just if you could have anyone who's listening to this, if you would want them to learn one thing right now about immigration law or the sort of like the political climate of everything that's going on, what would you want them to know? Well, I, I tell people that there is no line for the most part that people can go back and and quote unquote wait. And, and you know wait in mm-hmm. um and the biggest issue is that these are these are people that for the most part when you're talking about the undocumented population um they can't resolve their situation they most of these folks have been in here since the late 90s to early 2000s they're not new arrivals and many of them have have tried to come talk to attorneys and stuff to to resolve the issue and they can't because the law won't allow them to and i've mm-hmm. literally had people say hey i, I paid twenty thousand dollars if i could um, but they can't, so they, they, they don't. And, and research the bar issues and um, kind of realize what the, what the real problem actually is and, and isn't. Because I think it's, it's very much, you're talking about education in the last podcast. It's very much for a lot of these people, like if you had cheated on a test in high school, then got to college, finished that, then got your master's degree, then went and got your PhD you know, years later, and then they find out you cheated in high school and they say, oh, wait, wait, wait a second we're kicking you out of your university job. Wow. We're taking away your, your PhD. And so you have to think that, no, nobody's arguing that, that cheating is correct in high school, but you just have to kind of realize the, the punitive nature of, of what you're punishing and, and what you're, what you're causing and how you're upending people's lives. So that's, that's what I would say. Wow. What a great analogy. That was, that was very masterful. Yeah. You're a good man, Matt Hanley. Thank you, Doug. <laughs> Guys, you can find MindGap on Facebook. Look for our page there. We are also on Twitter at MindGap Podcast. And Justin has a website. If you type in the letters justinstrandland.com together, something will come up. Yeah. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Justin underscore Michael, spelled M-I-K-E-L. It is the fun way of spelling it. If you are in the online realm, uh, check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. You can subscribe to us and review us and make us feel all the feels, the warm and fuzzy feels. Uh, we really do appreciate uh, when you guys get back to us, so please do let us know. Uh, com slash MindGap is our web presence, uh, another web presence we have. And com slash the best bar podcast ever, you'll find another podcast that I do every so often. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, thanks again. Appreciate your time. Keep thanks doing, for having me. It was a blast. Keep doing what you're doing, man. And uh, you know, if, uh, keep posting those great things. Keep educating the world. And be true to the Nicolas Cage that you are as a national treasure. I appreciate that. Thank you both. (laughs) We'll see you next week, guys. Mind Gap Podcast.